0: I think the thing that a, a, an early career researcher needs to remember is that we filter the information because we are looking not necessarily at all the scientific aspects of it; and they don't really concern us. So sometimes, and we'll, I will read it all, but I'm really looking for things that are going to impact on the patient or the or the carer. I'm I'm not necessarily going to worry about some of the statistics that you present. Or it's important to remember that don't get too uh, bogged down by that.
1: You've been listening to Nikki Davis, a consumer and member of PC4's Joint Community Advisory Group about the importance of involving consumer representatives in your research. You're listening to Cheers with Peers from the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4, who support the development of high-quality cancer research in primary care. Welcome to Cheers With Peers, a podcast from PC4 that helps early career researchers find the oasis in the research desert. I'm Sabelle Sayer, a PhD student working on bowel cancer screening in primary care. In today's episode, you'll hear from Nikki, a consumer who provides feedback and valuable insight into the consumer experience for PC4 and the Psycho-Oncology Cooperative Research Group. Today, we are discussing consumers and how to partner with them to improve our research at every stage. We're here with Nikki Davis, who is a member of PC4's Joint Community Advisory Group. She's here to tell us how early career researchers can partner with consumers to do better research. So, thanks very much for joining us, Nikki. Hi, Isabel. So, you, uh, we met at the PC4 Symposium recently... And you gave us a really amazing, powerful presentation about how you represent many stories and people in your role as a consumer representative. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about what made you interested in becoming consumer rep. Uh, I came to
0: this role through peer support. Uh, I'm a breast cancer survivor, and I've been involved for a number of years with an organisation called Counterpart, which used to be known as Brecan. Uh, And the, the idea is supporting those affected by breast and gynecological cancers. So as I'm a long-term survivor. I My story happened sort of 15 years ago in terms of the cancer and I've met many, many people since then and followed lots and lots of cancer stories. So I've collected a number of stories through my involvement with peer support and being involved with JCAG is a fantastic way of giving others an idea as we're involved with research and being able to help with reading through your proposals mm-hmm. and seeing where that fits with what I see every day with other patients. And I think the other thing that I'm very aware of is that I'm in a very privileged position being able to do this because not everyone gets to be a, a consumer representative. There are lots of barriers. And at I, I, that symposium, I gave some examples of some of the people that I've met and those people who have immense barriers to ever being a consumer representative. And in this role, we have the whole idea is to present a broad consumer perspective, Is not just about my story. One aspect is um, in terms of financial difficulties, there are many people with financial difficulties and they might be wondering whether they're going to be able to keep on working during their cancer treatment because they've got family relying on that income and that's a real source of stress and mm. concern. I also gave an example of someone who was homeless and being cared for by nuns. And I just can't imagine how difficult that must be. This happens to people, sometimes they just don't have the support. And so she was just really fortunate to have those nuns caring for her. And I also had met someone who had been diagnosed in a refugee camp in Jordan and then began treatment within just a few short weeks of arriving in Australia. And as a migrant myself, and I know how difficult that was, I didn't have any language barriers, I wasn't a refugee, I know how difficult it was. So I just, I was very moved by that, meeting that woman and knowing what was on the road for her. Never mind just the the cancer, it was just all the other stuff as well. Um, so there are all these additional challenges. Um, that's particularly why I think it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah, so I
1: think yeah. what really struck me about that talk that you gave is that I hadn't actually thought about it in that way before, that I obviously had met the the JCAG from PC4 and and we were just speaking before that, you know, sometimes the consumer reps are, you know, from a certain part of the population that perhaps are a bit more advantaged and, and that idea that, that you guys think about all of those people who can't be represented in that consumer representation themselves is is just... It was really sobering, and it was it was just beautiful. So, I mean, thank you for sharing a bit of it today as well. Thank you, Sabelle. So, if we um, get a bit into the nitty gritty of uh, consumer representation, and and as an early career researcher and a, and a PhD candidate as I am, um, it is it is hard to to think about how practically, you know, you should do this uh, consumer representation and uh, consumer consultation, I guess, and, and how to make it more than just a tokenistic tick of a box and, and more of a partnership every step along the way of, of the research journey. So I wonder if you had any tips for, kind of, for early career researchers and, and how we can do it well. Sure. I think a really good place
0: to start is with Cancer Australia on their website. They have a lot of information there about consumer involvement. And they're in partnership with Cancer Voices Australia as well. And they've produced something called the National Framework uh, for Consumer Involvement in Cancer Control. And in that, they give a very good description of different levels of consumer participation because we, we become a consumer the moment we diagnose, basically, and, and when um, doctors and other healthcare professionals are telling us what's going to happen, and uh, right up to expert consumers... I think the JCAG you would basically put at the level of capable consumer, which sits somewhere in the middle. And so that I think is a really good way of understanding what it is uh, that where we fit in, in that big picture. And I think if you're working with a particular tumour stream, if you can look at some of the organisations, advocacy organisations, so for example as a breast cancer survivor, Breast Cancer Network Australia has something known as a seat at the table programme where they actually train people to be consumer representatives and uh, they can go into assisting with research as well. So I think the other thing to say is also don't feel nervous about consumers. I remember once at one PC4 workshop meeting someone who'd presented for the first time and he thanked me afterwards for my uh, input and he said one of the things the thing that had been most frightening for him that day was presenting to consumers I think remember that consumers have been there too um, It can be equally nerve-wracking mm-hmm. to be on the other side of things too you learn with each workshop you go to you learn more and more and I think also to understand that uh, we have different ranges of experiences ourselves. So um, while I've had one particular form of cancer, we look for commonalities as consumers. But there are going to be some cancer experiences which are going to be beyond us as well. So to remember that as well—that if we don't answer you, it's—it's—it might be that we just haven't got we don't
1: have the the relevant experience for that great and so I think one of the particular challenges um, that you've already touched on is uh, communicating with consumers and that pressure that sometimes I know I feel to make my my writing my communication understandable to, to everybody so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about you know the way that we can use language and use language in a way that's understandable and accessible for everybody, and particularly consumers. Sure. So I think the thing that a,
0: a, an early career researcher needs to remember is that we filter the information because we are looking not necessarily at all the scientific aspects of it. Um, they don't really concern us. So sometimes, and well, I will read it all, but I'm really looking for things that are going to impact on the patient or the or the carer. I'm I'm not necessarily going to worry about some of the statistics that you present. Or it's important to remember that don't get too I'm bogged down by that. I also believe it's very important that we sort of meet in the middle in a way so that as a, when I take on this role I take on the responsibility for ongoing learning and so I need to learn as well and not expect that everything gets dumbed down down to a really low level. <laughs> um, but in saying that, I think the, the big thing is always the acronyms. Mm. And if you're going to use, which is invariably you are, just the first time you use it, just to put it out in full and then put it in brackets after that, mm. put it into brackets. And then that. And you don't have to necessarily give a long detailed explanation because it's easy to Google these things mm. and we often do as consumers. We'll, you know, have a good read of that and then we'll remember next time. Oh, yes, it's connected to that. And so I think that, and that particularly relates to things like um, organisations or measurement scales, um, mm. that sort of thing,
1: yeah. I, I yep. really like that idea. It fits with the idea that this is a partnership. You guys are, are learning, we're learning, we're all kind of going through this together. So that's yep. really nice to know. And so I know that um, you have a career in nonfiction publishing, actually, and and I've heard that your son recently completed his PhD, which is very exciting. Congratulations to you you and to him. So having seen somebody go through that recently and with your experience, um, you know, in in the publishing field, do you have any pearls of wisdom perhaps for PhD candidates and ECRs?
0: Well, sometimes I get quite distracted by typographical errors mm. or inconsistencies. And I often wonder, is it just me? It's because of the eye that I've got. And particularly sometimes when it comes to a grant application, you'll be thinking, oh, gosh, I wonder if, if, if I don't notice that and pick that up, is that is someone else going to do it? And, and particularly I know how competitive it is going for grant uh, going through a grant process. But I, So I think that, yes, keeping an eye on the proofreading. And I also think sometimes having a little bit of a style guide is not a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I know that you, there might be more than one of you writing that paper and then it all gets amalgamated. And so yeah, an example might be if you use the word coordinate, sometimes someone will have it with a hyphen and sometimes it won't be. And uh, that's the kind of thing, which sounds pedantic. But I think if you're going for that grant, you want to look as good as you possibly can. And an old trick in proofreading is often just to read the one line at a time, block off the rest of the the page with a nice big piece of paper it's a very it's a cheap tool great but that's what professional proofreaders do and it assists you in not jumping the eye not jumping over that glaring little typo or or error that's a great tip i'm going to use that one all <laughs> right and the other thing i think is also if it just looks too chunky sometimes and you can see that sometimes they you know that when you look at the proposal sometimes they look really very very good and they've got nice headings and they've got a bit of space on the page. But sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, my goodness, it's, it's really chunky looking. It's not a bad idea to have sort of headings and break things down. The proposals that I find the most appealing to look at, um, I know that are going to be good, is they often come with a great big heading at the beginning saying background or overview. And they give a very clear, this is the problem that we've recognised. This is what we want to do to, to sort of test our idea and this is what we hope will be the outcome and Mm -hmm. that gives me a really good idea of what it is that why we're looking at this
1: so the structure is immediately obvious absolutely easier to read yeah Good, good, great tips. I'm definitely going to use them all. So we always ask our interviewees about other podcasts they might be listening to. Sure. And I know that you do enjoy podcasts. So um, do you have any recommendations for our listeners?
0: My favourite podcast is um, Richard Feidler, Conversations mm. on the ABC. And they're wonderful because you can pick them up anytime you like. And I think I like him because I, th- I think he's a fantastic interviewer and he asks some very probing questions and people are often very open and honest. He he tends to go for people who've got, had some sort of a challenge, and not necessarily cancer. Although there've been some amazing cancer stories on there, and I'm, I'm very interested in how people overcome challenges. And I think particularly we, we as cancer survivors, that's a challenge. But we don't have the monopoly on that. Um, there's certainly other challenges in life, and I
1: that's why I particularly enjoy it. Yeah. I'm going to add that one to my list. My (laughs) one for the week is uh, called The Illusionist with an A. It's all about words. So she kind of chooses a a different word or a category of words each week and and kind of explores where they came from. So it's, yeah, it's just these little tidbits and interesting facts about words that you would never have guessed. So I'm enjoying that one. That sounds great. Thank you so much for joining us, Nikki. Thank you, uh, Isabel. It's a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Thank you. This is Cheers with Peers. So cheers to you, Nikki. That was Nikki Davis. Thank you for listening. Next time we talk to Professor John Emery about GP research pathways. Thank you for listening to Cheers with Peers, produced by PC4. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at PC4TG. Don't forget to visit PC4's website, pc4tg.com.au.